There is a painting that sits on the edge of my bed, which has never been finished. On the canvas, you would be able to see a gentle sloping hill that is meant to overlook a lake with geese flying down upon it, coming home from a long, overdue winter. But there is no lake, nor any geese. Only the half-formed slope of the hill, with two figures standing upon it and watching the skies, as though anticipating the arrival of the flock. The painting is a reminder of a wound that for too long I have refused to let heal. My ex-fiancé, Tori, is the one that intended to finish it, and the two figures holding hands in the gentle brushstrokes are us in happier times. You just wait, Nolan. That thing will be my masterpiece, she always told me. We were meant to be married in the spring of 2011, after a romance that was probably far less adventurous than I care to admit. I fell in love with her because of her free spirit. She was the type to go off into the unknown at the drop of a hat. It was exhilarating. I never really knew what it meant to live in the moment until meeting her. Her dreams were just like that painting, an unclear horizon waiting to be explored and conquered by sheer ambition alone. I remember trying desperately to keep up with her sense of excitement as I planned my own future, to be as carefree and exuberant as her. There were plenty of weekends where we went hiking for hours on end. It was never a dull moment when you were with Tori. She was the reason I became familiar with the uncanny. Back then, secret societies and conspiracies were some of her favorite pastimes to explore. Tori didn't know any of the details about them, beyond what could be found from a casual internet search, but the way she talked about them with a sparkle in her eye told me that eventually she would go searching. Three months shy of our nuptials, she did just that, and I came home to an empty flat and an unfinished painting. On the back of the canvas was the only explanation she left, a simple post-it note that told me where she was headed and why. Naturally, I fully expected to see her return in a few days, raving about whatever puzzle she had been forced to solve and the unexpected prize she had managed to grab. But that conversation never came. Three days transformed into 30, and despite all my efforts to contact her and file a missing persons report, the trail went cold quickly. Tori was simply gone. That was almost nine years ago. I know that this sounds cheesy, and some people tell me that I should just move on, but we really did complete each other. I've dated several others since then and had a fairly good relationship with all of them, but I have simply never felt the same as I did when I was with Tori. I know that in reality, I will probably never get another shot at a happy ending, but another part of me holds on to that painting, that last bit of hope that one day she would come back into my life. That day came a few weeks back when I went to my P.O. box downtown and found an unaddressed package inside. There was a peculiar symbol etched onto the side of the box, like an upside-down cross of sorts that immediately caught my attention. The postmaster had no information to give me as to where it had come from, but judging from the condition it was in, I gathered it had to have traveled quite a ways to reach me. I remember rattling in a bit like it was a Christmas present to guess what was inside as I walked back upstairs. Despite its bulky size, all that it held within was a single SD card and a small key. Working in cybersecurity, I first presumed that it was from a new client that was testing skills as both a hacker and a programmer for whatever software they were trying to build, so I didn't see any reason to be wary of it. Instead, I simply used one of my secure laptops and set up all the proper firewalls before I booted the drive to my main server. After waiting for quite a while for the file to upload, I soon found that there was only one video file attached. On the thumbnail image was the portrait of the one woman I had never truly let go, Tori. I clicked the link immediately. She raised her hazel eyes to look directly at me. Hello, Nolan. 
the video began. Just hearing her voice again brought back floods of memories. It's been a while, hasn't it? Probably a lot longer for you than it has been for me. Her voice was sad, filled with regret. I know that you have questions, that you want your pain to heal. I wish I could offer you answers, but all I can tell you is that it's now your turn to follow the path, to come find me. Now there was urgency in her words, a sense of distress. At the end of this video, there is a series of coordinates. Write them down quickly because you will only get one chance. Tell no one where you are going and tell no one there why you came. Bring the package and its contents with you as your entry fee. If you're successful, we can see each other again. The video ended and I remember scrambling for a pen and a paper, then tried again to play the clip only to confirm that it was now corrupted. I looked up the coordinates and found that they connected to a hole in the wall pub in the London Metro, not 20 blocks away from where I currently lived. There was nothing to suggest it was anything out of the ordinary, but the way Tori had spoken, she sounded like she was in some kind of trouble. So I knew that I would have to go. I checked a variety of different Google threads to determine as much as I could about the bar before finally mustering up the courage a few days later to step foot into the establishment. There was something dangerous about it. And a few reports even claimed that people went missing down here from the dive bar. I was greeted by the familiar sounds and sights one might find in a place like this. I walked over toward the bartender on duty and slipped out the torn pieces of the cardboard box as instructed. Looking for something, mister? The man asked as he cleaned a glass. I slid the box closer so he could get a good look and answered. I was told to bring this to gain entrance. The man eyed the symbol and then back toward me before nodding and gesturing for me to follow him to a room beyond the main purview. He placed his hand against a small slab of stone after pushing aside a curtain and, much to my surprise, the wall began to move. They'll be waiting for you, he said softly before returning to his other patrons. I stepped through the dimly lit tunnel using the light of my phone to lead the way down a series of spiraling steps and toward a large dining hall of sorts that appeared to have been constructed from ancient times. It was covered in dust and cobwebs, perhaps untouched for generations. I was just about to snap a few pictures when I heard footsteps from other hallways nearby. Whoever else was there had finally decided to make an appearance. Amid the shadows, a slim Japanese woman stepped out holding a torch and looking surprised to see me there. She looked every bit as lost as I was. Who are you? I asked in confusion. Two men stepped out from other vantage points, the taller one clearing his throat to speak. We don't use names here, he said gruffly. Then he gestured for all of us to sit. There was a design etched into the stone tablet in front of us. It looked to be similar to the one on the box that I had received. Another American also joined the table, making us a total of four so far in this odd room. None of them looked particularly excited to be here, except perhaps the man near the front of the table who seemed to be in charge. He reached into his pocket and took out a long silver key. It looked similar to the one I had received. The two other strangers did the same and I watched as they placed the keys into grooves on the table. It was suddenly clear I was supposed to be doing the same. After finishing the task, I watched in fascination as the table itself began to glow with a light that I can only describe as ethereal. Blue dense illumination filled the room as the pattern on the table changed. The symbol now formed something of a sun pattern and from amid the stone edifice, a voice began to speak to us. I bid you all welcome. Today is your initiation into the hermetic order of the golden dawn, it said. I couldn't even determine where it was coming from. The others looked just as surprised as me. My name is Lydell Mathers, master of the ancient wisdom, ascendant of the seventh initiation. I was born January 11th, 
in the year of our Lord, 1854. And I left this mortal coil upon the eve of November 20, 1918, the voice said. The strangers looked about in confusion. Are you dead? The Japanese woman asked. I am no longer alive in the sense that you might understand, but I am not here to make you believe such a radical claim as this, but rather to begin a simple exercise to determine if you are worthy of the next step into enlightenment, the voice answered. Before us, I watched in shock as the table began to change form. If I did not see it with my own eyes, I would have doubted it entirely. What is this? The tall man asked in a shaky voice. Call it fate, if you will, or perhaps predestination. But something drew all of you to take a step beyond the familiar and into the unknown. The legends and myths you know are but stepping stones into the enlightenment of man. All the answers to the questions you never asked are before you. If you can fulfill one simple task, the voice boomed. Long, slow wisps of fog slowly permeated the air, and one of the men rose and shouted a few obscenities. This isn't what I signed up for. What the hell? He stammered. I could feel the hair on my arm sticking out as one of the strange moving clouds slid right against my skin and a shudder rippled across my entire body. The spirits whispered in tongues that I doubted any of us could possibly understand as the light toward the central platform flickered. Something rose from the indentations where we had inserted the keys. Reforged, the odd item now resembled that of a blade, jagged, and likely used in ancient ceremony. Take up the weapon before you. Spill your blood upon the stone. Let it run out as the spirits of the past encircle you and allow your mind to be unlocked, it said. This is bullocks, the tall man said angrily. I looked toward the rusty blade, uncertain what to do. The others began to argue amongst themselves what course was best. I didn't sign up for this. I came to find the woman I love and nothing else, the second man exclaimed. Those words gave me pause. This woman, how would you describe her? I asked, that same chilling sensation tickling the back of my neck. Short cropped dark hair, creamy skin, slim figure, fiery green eyes, a spirit that you couldn't even possibly compare to any force of nature, he answered. His mouth was dry as he spoke. My eyes were widening as I realized that he was speaking about my fiance. The others also seemed perplexed by the sudden development and the short Japanese woman asked the inevitable question. Was her name Tori? She asked softly. Now all of us were pausing to stare at each other in the darkness. How was it possible that all of us, strangers to one another and to this place, had been drawn here by the same woman touched by her in a way that seemed to run deeper than mere friendship? I needed to know. I grabbed up the knife and placed it against my palm, cutting it deep into my skin and letting the blood fall down on the edifice below. As it struck the stone, I felt a sudden invisible surge hit my body. I couldn't move. The world around me seemed to go black. The strangers were arguing still, trying to come to terms with the revelations being placed in front of them in such a short period of time. Memories that I didn't recognize as my own flooded back into my subconscious. It was like a door being unlocked in my mind. I was amid the spirits, their thoughts whispering with mine. They intruded into my soul, dredging up pain and trauma that I barely understood. They told me the path in front of me was the right one to take, no matter how dangerous. I fell back into the world of men and screamed out at the top of my lungs. The others looked at me in surprise by the outburst. We all have to finish the ritual, I told them with no uncertainty. We have to go together. They seemed to listen to my words, finally coming to a consensus and picking up the weapon and shedding the blood. Their bodies convulsed and shook with a force that wasn't their own strength. Then they returned to me, both frightened 
and exhilarated by the experience. Each of the people that were there fell down, unconscious, unable to go any further, their bodies taken by the bloodstone. I was the only one still standing. Your will is strong, the voice said. It was closer now. I realized that it was likely closer than I realized. Where is Tori? I asked. Across the room, I saw a shadowy figure approach me, and I recognized her radiant smile. She hadn't aged a day. You came, just like I knew you would, she said. I still love you, but this, all of this, I don't understand any of it. What is it for? I asked. Join me. Step across the fold to darkness and find the truth you are seeking, she encouraged me. I looked down at the people around me, their blood paying the way for me to stand by her again. She had sold her soul to join this order and was telling me to do the same now. What happens if I refuse? I asked. Her smile immediately vanished. We offer you forbidden knowledge, secrets of the universe, immortal life, and you are considering backing out? She asked angrily. I could sense the spirits around me growing restless. I held the blade in my hand firmly and said, what is the cost of all this? Nothing in this world is free. So why do you want me? I asked. Nolan, you will be our next vessel. Your will is strong, she said. Then I saw two lifeless statues move toward me. They were actually soldiers in disguise. Immediately, I used the weapon to ward them off and looked toward her, a twisted realization dawning on me. This couldn't be the woman I had fallen in love with. You tricked Tori nine years ago. You used her body all this time. That's how you extend your life, by transferring your essence from one soul to the next, I realized. Suddenly, the entire room shook as more spirits pushed toward me to try and possess me. I ran toward the imposter that had taken my love's body and slammed the weapon into her chest. Her eyes turned completely black. Then she pushed me against the wall and began to claw at my face. Her mouth opened wide and rats began to crawl out, scratching and skittering on my skin as I desperately bashed her face with a knife. The colleagues that had joined me here suddenly rose up, undead soldiers ready to obey their new masters. I had little chance of survival, so my only other option was to run. I managed to pry free from the rats and pushed toward the stairs that had led me to this dark dungeon and never looked back. Once I was back on the surface of London, I caught my breath and began to hyperventilate. I had waited so long, held on to hope for all this time, and now Tori is gone. Maybe she died a long time ago. I'm not sure. I just know that I can't even see this city where I live in the same way anymore because of the evil that is beneath my feet. Thanks for listening. If you enjoy these stories, Be sure to subscribe to the podcast and check out some more of my episodes here.